I, I mean, I really liked that when we were talking about conflict, we got through to a sense of conflict being an engine or a driver yes. or a transformative process that delivers you to something that, that has uh, an unpredictable character to it, something you never could have visualized out of your pre-existing state of consciousness. Yes. And so then I believe what we got to was this sense of opportunity. Yeah, I was looking up the word opportune, which is kind of the basis of opportunity, and has kind of an interesting background in terms of the history of the word. It has to do with being in front of the port at the right time. Oh. It has to do with docking vessels. That's right up your alley. Coming into port. And when you're, on your, when you're op or at or in front of the port, the side of the boat, which is based on the steering, steering mechanisms in the day this word was coined, you could only put the boat in on the on the dock on the left-hand side. It, steering mechanism wouldn't allow you to put the boat in on its right-hand side. So when you're in front of the port side, of, in front of the port, and the port side of the boat is in front, then you're properly placed, all circumstances being what they are, right place, right time. So wow. I thought it was kind of interesting. Opportune. Yeah. Opportune. Yeah. But I think that the uh, fact that conflict drives some kind of change that makes it that makes it an opportunity. The change, of course, is the opportunity. Yeah, and, and we do have this history with these little maxims that, that people say, you know, well, you know, it's a great opportunity and you just want to slug them. Yeah. <laughs> but you are at the right place at the right time for whatever the conflict that has arisen is trying to drive you toward in terms of change. Yeah. Now, of course, evaluating that is a matter of your consciousness about the conflict. Some conflicts seem very, you know, very down to earth such as uh, someone, someone you're in a fight with. Conflict, by the way, has to do with con, which is together, and ficere, which is to strike. Yeah. So conflict, it just seems to be two opposing forces. At some point, come together like a flint and steel, if I was the first thing I thought of, and strike, and, you, and it creates a transformation of some sort, fire that burns something up. That's one approach to conflict. Other conflicts are the kind of conflicts that are less obvious. We talk about conflicting desires, conflicting interests, where there is an expectation, perhaps, that is being bumped into by reality, which is not in accordance with the expectation. So you have a conflict. So that's more on the, uh, on the expectation setting kind of side. Right. So there it's more of a matter of, of it's already kind of an, a, a matter of consciousness or something that's more abstract. But in both cases, it's a striking together. Mm -hmm. A conflict means two things have to come together, and out of it can can come something new. Pose in the most dimensional mm -hmm. way of thinking about that, one might say that getting to a fist fight with your neighbor can result in the transformation of your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the neighbor's face, depending on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or it's an opportunity to get around all of that by changing your your viewpoint of what the issue is and who your who your neighbor really is. Yeah. In the case of a conflict where your expectations or your desired comfort or goodness in life is being challenged by circumstances, especially if there are circumstances where your expectation is not in accordance with what is scientifically so or likely to be so or reasonably so, then you have a, a striking together inside of yourself in your consciousness that is a, has the opportunity for transformation, for better or for worse for that matter. Uh-huh. Depends on uh, whether you are drawn by the drawn to decide by the by your construct field or your expectations as they pre-exist, or whether you're drawn by including the information that has come in from the outside that seems to be in conflict with that. There's that old story about the young boy talking with the old wise man, 
who says that there are two wolves. One is full of joy and happiness and, and glee and is very wonderful to be around. The other one is evil, nasty, mean, and always a threat to anything of, of good order. And they're always in conflict with each other. And the young boy says, which one wins the conflict? And the old head of the tribe, I think, or the elder says to him, the one you feed. Ah, what a great story. Yeah. Give your energy to. Which one do you give your attention to? Well, you know what strikes me about this as you've been talking, almost as soon as you started talking about this, I, I started, I, I was reminded of our own um, process of translation. And this is almost, it's essential to tra the translation process to have this conflict. Yes. It's interesting that in setting up the first step of a translation, which is to sort of get ourselves on a principle that is inarguable, we have we are in effect arriving at a point where we can understand which essential wolf we are feeding. <laughs> yeah. Because when we work out a syllogistic reasoning process, it has us arrive in consciousness that what must be so about reality, whatever it turns out to be, but what must be so about it, is the only one you can really the only the only food you have then to, to give to either wolf. And the the wolf that gets the food is the one who will prevail. Well, in, in a sense, uh, we have our choices in terms of what we what we feed in the sense of, are we just going to accept uh, the things that are being given to us? Um, yes. And, of course, there's all kinds of motivators, I guess is the word, you know, out there uh, implanting, trying to implant in us desires for this, that, or the other thing. Right. Whether it's a new device or whether it's a new attitude we should take about a political question or... Whatever it is, there's, there are huge resources being devoted to getting us to take a certain position or make a certain decision. And um, so there's that. And then, you know, we have, the, the, I guess our choice or our question is, are we just going to accept all that? How are we going to make some kind of intelligent decision when our resources are not nearly as strong as these people with the multi-billion dollar advertising budgets? Exactly. And if we, if we choose to make that decision based on the material aspects of it, the, the billion-dollar advertising budget, well, that's got a fairly slim chance of coming out constructive for us. Yeah. At least in terms of coming, out, coming up with something that represents an acceptable truth as opposed to a perhaps swallowable but not really compatible opinion or attitude. And it's a conflict. The conflict, the big conflict we're involved in, is resolving that issue. Which wolf in us will we feed? If we think in terms of what these wolves really represent, of course, attitudes and preset ideas, then in consciousness, we have access to resources that are unlimited. Because in consciousness, we're finally going to make the decision of what we accept. And right. if we establish in consciousness what must be the nature of what we accept, what is going to be truth to us, and I know this is not, it's as easy, easier said than done, because, you know, as a translator yourself, that it's uh, all the way through the, the process that is translating to see the truth of a situation. It takes a real effort and awareness to keep yourself on the track. Well, innumerable ways that you're drawn off your line of reasoning by small things, emotional things, or, again, attitudes we've lived with all our lives and don't even know we're harboring. Right. But in consciousness, oh, go ahead. But in consciousness, nonetheless, there's an unlimited resource that is available because creativity knows no bounds, and creativity is an aspect of consciousness long before it's an aspect of something produced and sitting on the table. So anyway, the, uh, the back and forth that happens in conflict, this is where I think we're talking about what happens in terms of like opportunity being a possibility here. Right. Um, if, we look at, if we look at the conflict not in terms of something from the outside, but as something that's unfolding in our own consciousness, yeah. then 
I think I'm repeating you here, but that, that's where we, we gain the power of what we're going to pay our attention to and which of these wolves are we going to feed. Yes. And that is, that is what we're going to experience out of this one way or the other, whether it's a, you know, in the face of a billion-dollar advertising budget or a multi-billion-dollar political campaign or a multi-billion-billion-dollar effort by Madison Avenue to sell us something. Mm-hmm. Where we're going to find our ability to deal with it is in our consciousness. I think that's one of the things that's happened with this pandemic is that people have been um, pushed back on themselves and have begun to see that their value equations have been constructed by <laughs> by the, the kind of world we're living in. Uh-huh. And so, you know, because they've been shut up, they haven't necessarily stopped looking at their devices. But I think even that gets really old after a while. I think you're right. That certainly has for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so having a different sense of values then. Yeah, um, and what will resonate in terms of something that's valuable? What resonates as value inside of you changes in that situation after a period of time. Because you're basically, as you said, pushed back on yourself so that you're saying, okay, what is valuable here? I've looked at this for a while, now I'm tired of that. I've looked at this for a while, and I've looked at this for a while. And then there are those things that have come through for some of those people, and some, some, of, the, some of it may have been the possibility that I can do this comes through, and that brings a value. Yeah. That sort of thing, as opposed to just, here's an input, but it grows stale or doesn't remain satisfactory for very long. Uh-huh. But when it becomes an opportunity, when people stumble upon the fact that they can create something new in their lives, Maybe using all the elements that were always there, but the fact that they just didn't see them the same way before when they were just inputs. But rather, they can see an opportunity to be creative with their life. It's not about money at that point, and it's not about just inputs. It's about a value that rings as true inside of us, like our own value mm-hmm. at a different level, at a very spiritual level, if you will. So that can come out of the conflict that admittedly this conflict has been ongoing for all of us now for several months and looks to be far from over so there's this uh, this ongoing understanding more about what's really valuable to us and how we can creatively bring it into play whether it's a new way of starting a business a new way of running a business a new way of feeding yourself or feeding yourself and others i mean the stories abound of people coming up with creative ways to have meaningful value come to them and go out from them to others without involving money as such yeah yeah, as the, as the marker, as the, as the as the standard. Well, I can definitely see how the the back and forth that happens in a in a translation where we have kind of the two wolves facing off. Um, mm-hmm. It creates an energy that is a very real thing. It's a lot more than the uh, the kind of statements that people give you about oh well you know here's another opportunity for this or that. When you get when right. you're actually when you're actually in there wrestling with it. Something else is generated by that back and forth that you're doing because you're you're taking your best sense of your your spiritual reality and and instead of saying that that you're gonna kind of take refuge there and um, uh-huh. just kind of say that all's right with the world and God's on His throne, um, you take that spiritual understanding and you bring it out and put it to work directly confronting and so in the sense in conflict with all of the appearances that are raining down on you telling you what your limitations are. Um, right. And so there, when you actually do that work and you're actually in there wrestling with it, I think something else is created that goes way beyond just the nice maxims that we hear. 
Right. So something that goes even beyond a possible solution of the immediate problem that you're engaging in a spiritual sense. It goes beyond all of that. It goes beyond yourself as you've understood yourself up to that point. And so there, there's a real opportunity. Yeah, that's the right place at the right time. That's, that's a place to park your boat <laughs> in a vast ocean that's just right, the right aspect at the right time. Yeah, it's a definitely an opportunity. The conflict, which is basically what the appearances you mentioned are about, keep pointing finally then to this aspect of yourself beyond what you've ever thought it was. And it doesn't exclude anything. It's all present. So it doesn't even cast out one of the wolves, but rather see something new about the wolves altogether. Right. So it's not a matter of which wolf you feed. It's what does the feeding constitute? At first, it seems like a choice. But the more the conflict goes back and forth and back and forth, especially as it does in, say, the third step of a translation where it's what I believe to be so versus what I know to be so. When it goes back and forth and back and forth, that you suddenly you are lifted out of choice into a perspective that is simply that which is so of what looked like two wolves fighting each other. And that which is so has to do with the, the consciousness that's seeing this. And it's your consciousness, and yet it's not you as you formerly thought of yourself. To rephrase your statement, the back and forth of the conflict leads to some place that's completely different than either you or the conflict itself appeared to be when you started. Right, and that really takes us to a place of understanding intention or cosmic intention, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, that's don't want to go down that too far, but just the idea that everything seems to be so accidental. But the, uh -huh. the thing that's challenging you, that's standing in front of you and saying, <clears throat> deal with me, you, you have to deal with me, that thing that's standing there is going to deliver you to something profoundly different and profoundly deep and meaningful. And, I mean, I think that's a, a really exciting prospect. That's the, that's the most exciting aspect of this whole thing. And it's interesting because there is a, there is a choice involved. You can, go, you, can, you can engage what intention is trying to get you to see, or you can try and run and hide. <laughs> or as that old phrase goes, you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah. But if you do choose to engage, then suddenly all the power of that intention, which has been behind this process all along, because it's, an, it's, a, part of, it's a part of the nature of the evolving consciousness of the universe, that intention which has been under and back of all of this is a tremendous, unbelievably, unimaginably large, even infinite opportunity in the sense of you have access to what drives your experience in life. You have access to immediately have at hand all the resource, all the resources, all of the, all of the supply, all of the intention that you need to allow yourself to be overtaken by the truth, allow the previous self that had a conflict between the two worlds be overtaken by a self of yourself that's completely beyond all that. Right. That's what the that's what the conflict generates. Finally, if you engage the conflict, if you don't try to run and hide from it, which I don't know about you and your work, but I'm sure you found the, the case that you can you can run, but you can't hide. If you intend if you intend to be an evolving spirit in this world or an evolving evolving consciousness, it's an it's as Thane has said before, an implacable hunter. It'll stay after you until you do something about it. Yeah. I remember that. Remember the those wonderful books we read back in the '70s, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Oh, right, yeah. And the author's name was... Uh, Richard Bach. Richard Bach used to say that when an idea's time had come for him to write in a story, the idea would not kind of come up and gently knock on the door, or it would, it would knock loudly on the door, and then if he tried to ignore it because he was busy being a human being, it would pound on the door until it kicked the door in, came <laughs> into the room, grabbed him by the throat, and slammed him down at the typewriter and said, write. <laughs> <laughs> Intention is something like that, I think the way we're talking about. 
I find it always compelling to think through the meaning of the word infinity. Um, I love Frank Herbert, and one of the reasons I love Frank Herbert's science fiction writing is because he was in totally in love with the idea of infinity. Ah. Um, Roger Zelazny was the same way. And that is when you truly understand or try to get your head around what infinity means. And if we understand ourselves as spiritual in any way, we're, we are rubbing up against infinity because spirituality, spiritualness, is something that is beyond um, the finite limits that we know. Mm-hmm. So I think what I'm trying to get at here is that we have the opportunity with these, these conflicts that we've been talking about to to step out of our safe little world and experience something that we could never have seen before because our nature is boundless. And it, to me, it's just, when I, when I come, come back and reconsider it and reconsider it again and again, I never cease to be amazed by the fact uh-huh. that, there, that there is something outside my mm-hmm. limited view and that by doing this rubbing up against the issues that I can invite, mm-hmm. the, I can invite that piece in. That's about as good a definition as any I've heard, William. Yeah, I'm constantly amazed. <laughs> I'm constantly amazed. I've never come to the end of amazement. Yeah. And I think there have been amazing things that have come out of, and certainly more could come out of, this obvious set of conflicts we're in the midst of right now that seem to be so disrupting, seem to be so conflicting. It's certainly been conflicting to the way of life we've operated under before, in terms of the way we've thought about life. What is important? What is the value of living? What are, what are, what are, what is, what are our goals? We're in the middle of a huge conflict involving all of that, and it's certainly equally huge possibility for new amazement yes. we haven't experienced before. Absolutely. 